Welcome to Sovereign Self, weaving spiritual awakening with the fabric of everyday life. Your host is Zofia Renea Morales. We'll discuss and show you how you can achieve the highest potential in your life through divine wisdom and really live. Now, here is your host, Zofia Renea Morales. Hello, hello, everyone, and thank you for returning to this week's Sovereign Self. I'm looking forward to our conversation today because I am one of these multitasking kind of people, which means I'm juggling always lots and lots of balls, and then life, of course, happens and like tosses additional things into that mix. And my guest today is Lena Dalter. And she is an expert on overwhelm and not on becoming overwhelmed, but becoming unoverwhelmed when you are. Uh, And as a clarity coach, she helps driven women break free of this soul-sucking grind that we tend to get uh, caught up in, whether it's jobs or relationships or bad habits. She is really helpful in helping you discover the clarity and the confidence to trust yourself enough to move forward without having to worry about falling on your face. (laughs) And so if you want to get out of your head and into energetic flow, Lena is the person that you want to be talking with. And I have her here today on the show. Thank you so much for joining me, Lena. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Ah, and I'm super excited to have you here. I'm one of these people who has 12 threes in my soul contract and 12 three people, while we can, we have a lot of bandwidth and we're always expanding into new areas and enjoying, you know, new vistas and, and teaching people about all the exciting things that we learn because we're master teachers. We also tend to be insanely fucking busy. <laughs> And so I feel really blessed to have you on the show here today, and I'm hoping to take some good stuff away from our conversation. Good. I'm glad. Thank you. The place I would like to start with you, though, is where I start with all of my guests, which is before you were this amazing spirit-led, intuitive, clarity coaching purpose who has all of her ducks in a row. (laughs) So maybe what was life like before all this happened? Yeah, great question. And just so you know, my ducks sometimes get out of a row too. (laughs) It's the nature of ducks. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Um, Well, immediately, immediately before this, is that what you are speaking of? Well, let's go all the way back to before you know you had gone through your awakening moment before it all kind of came together and congealed for you i know a lot of us and you may be included in this uh were raised that there are certain boxes we need to check off in order to be quote unquote happy or quote unquote successful or whatever the the thing in your house you were raised to be is it kind of varies from family to family what was your life like while you were still in that box checking mode? Sure. Well, you know, I'm the oldest of four kids, and I grew up in the Midwest, in Dubuque, Iowa, to be specific. Oh, and I've been to Dubuque. I used to dancing meets in Dubuque. <laughs> okay, amazing. I love it. It's just like it's, it's a small-er town, but it's not a small town. I don't know. I, I, it's, it's, just, it's a decent-sized Midwestern town. I mean, yeah. you have multiple Walmarts and things. So. We, have, like, we have a Walmart. We have a, mall, a small mall. You know, it's like, you know, it's a, a decent-sized city. It's it's not, you know. You can get a, lost in Dubuque, and I have. Potentially, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have, and you could, that's true. Um, so, 
So I grew up, and I have to say, I feel really fortunate about how I was raised. So there was some, I feel fortunate because I was always led to really follow myself and, and do what I want. Now, that doesn't mean that I did all the time, and it doesn't mean it came without its societal imprints or, you know, things that you learn when you're outside of your home or pressures inside the home, because I characteristically, as the oldest, do feel really responsible for a lot of things, because that's part of the archetype. It's part of being the oldest, and I totally get that. I'm also the the old, I'm, I'm the... The one that's supposed to set the example. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And um, so there's that part of it. Um, and then there, so that that coupled with what I learned when I went to school, right? Like, so I grew up a very joyful, happy child. And, and I was also a chubby kid. But I didn't really know I was a chubby kid until, and I don't know which one came first, if it was the people, if it was the friend at school that made fun of me, or if it was one of my family members who said something about having another piece of chicken at either like my birthday party or some sort of celebratory situation. Oh. They were about- that's the wrong place to bring that up. It's exactly, a celebration. Right? I mean, everybody <laughs> picks out at celebrations. Leave me be. <laughs> And so I think it might have been the school thing and that compounded it. But the point is that I remember being a pretty, pretty pivotal point for me in my life and as far as how I saw myself. So outside of like, you know, my responsibilities and like that's one bucket, right? Like I'm the oldest child. I, I'm setting the example. I'm doing these things. And I, I was a good oldest child, by the way. My parents would probably vouch for that. I maybe had a couple mistakes here and there, but for the most part, I was always on time, followed the rules, and I never really had any reason to worry. In fact, um, sometimes I almost say that, and it's interesting to be on the the other side, like sometimes you want someone to worry about you. I don't know if anyone can relate to that, but you're like, oh, even though then you might not. I don't know if you can follow. But the point is. Yes, it, it's nice to have the concern, but the concern is kind of a pain in the ass too. Correct. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. It's a, it's a total double-edged sword. So there's that bucket. And then there's the bucket of when my self-image completely changed. And when my self-image completely changed, I noticed how I changed. And, you know, I, I also learned the value of money quite early like our family so being the oldest of four living in the midwest my mom was a stay-at-home mom and my dad worked um he's an electrician and you know through most of my life it was through union work like actual labor work and so sometimes that meant he traveled he was also in in the navy he was in the reserve so there's that aspect of it so there was a sense of um wanting to provide or needing to provide for myself like that wasn't pushed upon me but I definitely learned like hey you know something we say in the midwest and you might have heard it too is like money doesn't grow on trees or you know like we don't have money for that so it wasn't an uber lack situation but as you know and as probably your listeners know like my parents and your parents and their parents bring to the family bring to out my upbringing their conditioned beliefs about money or their relationships to money from their parents and exactly so- and i was also raised in the midwest and my father was an electrician so i know what you're talking about it's like there's there's enough money to do a lot of things but there's not 
a lot of excess. You're not going to have the designer jeans. We're probably going to have to do some of the home renovations ourselves. Yes. A hundred percent. When you say designer jeans, it clicked right away because it like, when I was at that age, so exactly what you said, we were taught like here, we provide for you and we always, we did not want for anything. I mean, my parents went out above and beyond, but if we wanted those designer jeans, that had to come from us, right? Yes. So go I go learned, do some babysitting. Yes. Go so, somebody's lawn. Yes. So I babysat um, for my aunt a lot. I babysat for really anyone, but I also got a paper route when I was in sixth grade. And I made really good money doing the paper route, but I was also really embarrassed about it. I never really wanted anyone to see me on my paper route. Well, then, as the world would have it, I was showcased as like this star paper route person, paper route girl, ah. the actual paper. And so my, my, my best abilities to hide it were completely shot. Busted. When I was completely busted, but, but I learned how, so my, my, this all comes from, this all is to say that I learned how to make money for myself at an early age and learned, you know, what, how to save money, what to save money for, and just like what that meant. Right. And so, gosh, I don't know where that's going, but part of that. Well, uh, we were kind of exploring, you know, what are some of the formative things that happened in your youth? You mentioned there was a shift around how you saw yourself. Yes. Tell, Tell me that story. What shifted for you with that comment about the extra piece of chicken? A hundred percent. Well, it made me, uh, that plus the thunder thighs comment I got in grade (sighs) school. Yeah. By a girl, by the way, that didn't look in my opinion, any different than I looked. Right. So that totally shifted how I saw myself. And and that's another lesson in when people say that shit, it's more about them than you. (laughs) Yeah. But at 12, I don't know that I knew that. (laughs) I don't know that she knew it either. Um, But that shifted how I saw myself and that absolutely deflated my self-confidence for a long, long time, for years, really. So I became semi-obsessed with what I looked like. Um, And fortunately, as I grew up, so grade school and then, you know, um, junior high kind of like was getting into myself, right? Getting into my body. Bodies change when you like get after 12 boys and girls, you know, Mm -hmm. we go through experiences where your body changes for women it's the period right and and when well I not to mention the boobs and the hips and the- <laughs> all that stuff yeah of course and then as I went into so junior high was okay I don't remember feeling anything major as I went into high school I naturally lost a ton of decent amount of weight because I walked everywhere yes. I walked school I loved walking in the cool crisp mornings but I still carried with me that idea that no one would like me or the boys wouldn't like me if I didn't look a certain way because uh-huh. also I was surrounded by a lot of women. So I'm a short, I'm a petite person, say petite instead of short. And a lot, and I vertically challenged, vertically challenged, which I don't really mind by the way, but there are times I feel like I want to be taller. Um, but you see all these tall, thin women, you know, I didn't look like that. Like I'm a vertically challenged person who had musk, a little bit of a muscular build. Like I oftentimes was asked if I was a gymnast. No, I wasn't. And I think that's why I found yoga to be such a um, wonderful outlet for my body because it's something that I could naturally do. But I carried that with me for a long time. You know, that feeling of what I looked like, it impacted how I brought myself to the world. Yeah. What were the main ways you saw that impact your life? A, a hesitancy to to speak out about what you're doing or 
or how, how does that show up for you? You know, when, when I go back to the younger ages, it was definitely about how I, 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 how I presented myself to not only my, fr- my friends, but how I thought, how I thought boys saw me because I thought boys wanted. So not only was I seeing the vertically upright, you know, the taller women get statuesque, yes, yes. <laughs> statuesque women, like kind of be, I looked at them like I imagined men look at, look at boys looking at them, right? Like with great awe and admiration and like, oh, like I wish I could be that. So that lack of self-acceptance showed up there. Ironically, most of like, so I had my best friend in, in grade, in junior high was a, was a boy. And so there was like, I don't know, it's just kind of interesting. But the point is also society impacted the way I looked at those women because everybody on the cover of magazines, you know, blonde hair, tall for the most part, right? Mm-hmm. And really slim and or very hourly. And so when I moved toward college, I became really, I knew I didn't want to gain the fr- freshman 15, right? Yeah. Really well, none of us did, but I, <laughs> I, I signed on for that. Yeah. <laughs> so I became, that's when I added this element of control of my diet to, to my life. So I ate like a specific meal every day for lunch. I mean, I was really, um, aware of what I was putting in my body to, to do my, to maintain what I, to maintain my goal, which was to not gain the freshman 15. <laughs> right? <laughs> to try to be, you know, the best, best I could be in my own body, you know, and but I, how did that work out for you? Yeah. I was just going to say like, not always so great. Right. <laughs> because okay. I was very contracted and obsessed so like another, like we talk about overwhelm, like sometimes oh, like obsession can create overwhelm, right? Mm-hmm. You're, very, you're overly focused on a specific thing that isn't necessarily bringing you joy. Yes. And in fact, it, it just makes the stress that much worse many times. A hundred percent. So yeah. So what I noticed is, is it affected me mostly in relationships and specifically in heterosexual relationships. For me, uh, like, because I'm a heterosexual woman, like, for the for me to be attracted to, for a man to be attracted to me, I felt like I had to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. So it affected to your to your question. It did affect the way I showed up because I didn't show up in my purest form of self because I was showcasing more of like I wanted their approval of who I was before I really showed them who I was. Oh. God, and that's like the worst possible way to approach any relationship or group or whatever. It's somehow it, everybody has a radar for that, and it's like, oh no, 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 this is not going to work. Yeah, you know, one thing I've noticed because I've I've watched what do I want to say, men and women, and and the question of like sexiness and and body forms and this kind of thing over the years. I'm a people watcher. So this is something I I like to observe. So I go to weddings and things and I'll notice this. And one of the things that I've noticed is much of sexy is in the attitude about yourself. Because I've been to weddings with these big, beautiful, bodacious women who've got, you know, triple E, you know, bust sizes and hips that just don't end and who are probably considered overweight, but because they, in their hearts, are convinced that they are the hottest, most knockout woman in the place. They are, in fact, the hottest and most knockout woman in the place. <laughs> and, 
And it, it, it has nothing to do with being model thin or twiggy or tall or short. It's the attitude that you bring into it. A hundred percent. And when you are 20, <laughs> you, you don't necessarily know that, right? Or you're not, at least I didn't. And I don't think I'm the only younger woman who, um, at meaning at that point in my life, that lived that way. And you're absolutely right. Like when you embody your wholeness, regardless of your size, that is the most sexy quality about anyone, woman or man, because that confidence speaks louder than your figure could in any day of the week. Yeah, exactly. Your figure, your complexion, your hair color, your tan, whatever you're looking at, it makes all the difference in the world. (laughs) Yes, that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. We are fixing to go out to commercial break now, though. Um, What I want to talk about when we come back, though, is the one mistake that every busy, successful woman makes that leads to self-doubt and overwhelm, because I know many of us live in that space, and I know I cycle through that space periodically, (laughs) especially when life throws, you know, one of these added extra juggling acts into into my routine. So... Everybody out there in listener land, you can go to facebook.com and find me, Zofia Renea. That's Z-O-F-I-A-R-E-N-N-E-A. And you can find Lena at Woman in Flow, also on facebook.com. And hang in there through the break and we will get the answer to this mistake that almost all of us are making. So we'll catch you on the flip side. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune in to Amplify featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel and get Amplified. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers channel we don't follow we lead join us the voice america influencers channel you are listening to sovereign self with sophia renea morales we'd love to hear from you on the show today call in to 1-866-472-5795 again that's 1-866-472-5795 or if you'd prefer, send an email to asksofia at transformationspace.co. Now, back to Sovereign Self. Thank you so much for hanging in through the break with us. 
This is Sophia Renee Morales. I'm here talking to Lena Dolter, and she is the the clarity coach that deals with overwhelm. She can break you out of your overwhelm and bring you into states of flow and wonderfulness. Uh, we've been talking a little bit about your background, and so tell me what was it that shifted in your life? What was it that kind of woke you up? to the fact that there's there's more than whether the guys find you sexy or not there's more than the the career there's more than the 2.5 kids in the house with the picket fence around it what what was it that happened for you that woke you up yeah you know i it it was definitely about 3 years ago when i was so i've been working in pharmaceuticals pharmaceutical sales for like 17 years and that's a long time. <laughs> that is a long time. And that can be a very lucrative field. It, it definitely helped me live a great life. And I'm grateful for all of the experiences that, that I had in that realm. Allowed me to save a lot of money. Um, not a, it's, it allowed me to save money to, to help me make this change in my life. But in the last five years, for sure, it started to feel like my soul was uninspired. So it definitely just started to feel like a job. And while it was a good job and I had, there was like highlights to the job that just, I started to feel like it wasn't really what I wanted to be doing forever. I knew that. I knew that. Yeah. I I heard an interview the other day with someone who said that the job became expensive handcuffs. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good way of saying it. Right. It just became the, the one thing that I loved, loved, loved about pharmaceutical sales is that I was never in an office. I mean, I knew early on in my 20s when I was doing some side jobs for my dad, like I would go down the office and do some admin work and, and I hated being in there. So anytime I could get out, I, I'd take the truck and I'd drive to the sites and I'd deliver some goods, right? Right. So I knew early on that being out and about was really important to me. So that was a very important aspect to, to that job. But as I started to feel like less and less inspired to do the to do the actual work, I always taught yoga on the side. I always had Pilates on the side and I was coaching women in love on the side. I just felt like there's I knew there was more for me and it was beyond what I was doing. So five years ago was when it started to make itself very known. But three years ago for sure. And then this last two years, I knew taking the last corporate job that I had was absolutely the catalyst for me to step forward into what my soul and what the divine expression is inviting me to step into. Albeit scary. Was was there a particular instance that was like the, the moment that the light went on, the straw that broke the camel's back? Honestly, it was the second I got, it was the moment I got the job offer for this last new opportunity. Everything about, while there was all these really good things there, there was also the extraordinary clarity that this is it. This is the thing. This is the straw that will break the camel's back. I don't know how it will go down, but I know that this is the catalyst for, for me to, to step fully into my presence. And how did it go down? Well, I manifested it to go down in a way that I received a little bit of a, I received some, I received a bit of a package, but it oh, we, go- we liked the parachute. <laughs> yes. I got a little parachute and I created that. I mean, it took, it, it was a six month process, but the second I 
my territory changed. So just semantic background. I was hired for one thing, six months into it, they changed the territory, which put me out of state on a daily basis. Oh. I got a new manager and a new partner, all of which were not satisfactory. And that's when my actual, that current manager said, I'm surprised they didn't offer you an option to leave. So thank him. I thank him for that one thing to then plant that seed, which I watered and sunned and nurtured for six months, speaking out loud, writing down, and then got what I needed, got what I needed to move forward. That's beautiful. Yeah, there's, the golden parachute can make a huge difference in a transition like that. Yes, I wish oh. it was a little bit more golden, but it did help. <laughs> so when you jumped, how did you jump? What, where did you go to next? What was the next stage? It's interesting. The next, so where I jumped was immediately into full-time entrepreneurship. Oh, the deep yeah. end of the pool. <laughs> deep end of the pool. And what, because I had always been doing it, right, on some level. I, I've always had clients. I was always supporting women in their growth. But I dove right into leaving one thing to make money in another. And what I learned very quickly within three months was you did not give yourself transition time. Yes. You did not allow yourself to experience, right, like the transition from doing something for 17 years into doing something else that, yeah, you know about, you've been doing for five years, but is a completely different way of living and being and showing up for myself and in the world. It's a very different game. The cash flow game is different. The planning game is different. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And with that comes like everybody else's idea of what you should be doing. And potentially, you know, right? Their idea of what like, because, and I, you know, we live in a patriarch world, right? Everything is run by the patriarch and we are expected to do, do, do and perform, perform, perform. That's part of one mistake that every woman makes. And when, and we do it all of what the guys does plus our stuff and backwards. (laughs) Yeah. And, and the misconception is that everything has to be done to make results. Yeah. There is action involved, but it's not always I mean, it's not like I'm going to go to work today. I'm going to do these things and that's going to produce results, especially in entrepreneurship. So as you know, and anyone out there listening, it's not always the case. Yeah, it's not always a straight line. And many times the seeds that you plant and the beacons that you light don't do what you think they're going to do, but they do something totally different. (laughs) Yes, or they do what you think and want them to do, but not in the timeline that you wanted them to be done in. Amen. It's never, <laughs> it's never on the timeline I want. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that right. brings us around to what is that one mistake that busy, successful women make? The one mistake that busy, driven women make every day is that they assume that they have the same energy all the time. Oh, yes, this is true. Because do do I mean? you don't. There are some days I'm like superwoman and there are other days it's like, oh, no. Fuck that yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> Saturday was one of those for me. It's like, you know what? It's all an illusion. I'm just going to say that I'm living in the illusion that all of my shit's done. <laughs> there you go. Did it work? Um, I had a nice break, which I needed. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and then on Sunday, we returned to the illusion that my husband was living with, which is that there's stuff that needs done around the house. <laughs> right. Right. 
Yeah, what I find when women come to me, and myself included, is that we get into the rhythm of this feeling good energy, where your energy, you you literally feel like you could take on the world, right? Superwoman energy. And then do, 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 you're going along, and inevitably you run into a block, and it's usually an energetic block. You may not recognize it as the words that I'm saying, but you might recognize it as irritation, irritability, frustration, mm-hmm. Exhaustion. Exhaustion. <laughs> yeah, we're like, you know, um, and you wonder what the hell is happening. Why am I not able to perform or show up or feel as good as I felt five days ago, let's say. When I made these plans, yes. <laughs> yes. And that is the one mistake every woman makes. And then what happens, it perpetuates, is like they have these plans and inevitably they feel guilty if they even consider canceling. Right. Or so they or you get down on yourself for why didn't I plan this differently or why the hell did I commit to that or, yeah. And also they want to show up for whatever they decided to do. Like, for instance, one of my clients is like, oh my God, like I'm so freaking exhausted and I have three things I have to do today. And one of the, like, and I want to do all of them Like, I want to show up for my friend because she just had a baby. You know, I want to do, uh, you know, go take my son to this, to this class, but I'm freaking tired. And so what happens is you, when that block hits, you, you inevitably get over it, but then the same thing happens the next time. Yes. Yes, exactly. I, one of the things that I've discovered is I'm one of these people who loves to travel Mm -hmm. But it also wipes me out. I need a vacation from my vacation. (laughs) Yeah. And I didn't used to allow for that time. I would like plan for this amazing retreat or, or I'm, I'm a learner. So workshops and stuff, this is, this is my fun. This is my candy. And then I would return home to like this fully booked out schedule the week that I come back from that. And then I wonder why I don't follow up on the contacts that I made at the event and, you know, why I, I can't keep up with what's going on and there's piles of laundry at home and, you know, all this stuff that happens on re-entry from a trip. And I've gotten to the point now that I actually don't schedule anything for the week when I come back from something like that, because I know I'm going to be doing laundry. I know I'm going to be jet lagged. I know I've got all this other crap happening. And I know I'm going to want to do things like reach out to people that I would not normally be spending time doing. So I've started to give myself that grace. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be superwoman. I can have downtime when I come back from a trip. I don't have to jump back in the saddle. And that now that I've started doing that, I am actually doing things like reaching out to people because I didn't put it on my list. I, I don't put anything on my schedule. I don't put anything on my list. And because there's nothing on my schedule, it feels good. It's like, oh, okay. I've got some time. Let me just chat with this person and continue that interesting conversation we were having. Whereas in the past, it'd be like six months later, I'd find their information and go, oh God, they're not even going to remember we had that conversation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And what I would say is that you created space. That's exactly. And so I was just talking about that today. And um, that's like, Women come to me wanting that space, right? And there's two ways you can do it. Boundaries is one, right? So you set yourself up this 
boundary that supported you to reintegrate back into your life upon coming back from your vacation, whether it's laundry or not, you're reintegrating into your home, right? Because yeah. that those menial activities are actually supporting you in regrounding yourself into your home environment and can be meditative, really. You know, they yeah, can exactly and reconnecting with my husband and reconnecting exactly. with the dog and a hundred percent. And then there's also this internal system so that the women's, the women's body has that will also support you, um, you know, in creating space. What I find with most women is that at first they are really, they want space and they want freedom. They come to me, they want that, right? And they tell me they want that. And then it feels really hard to even consider it because then they're right back up against, well, what if I can't get everything done? Right. And that's yeah. the, God, Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I used to approach time very differently than I do now. Mm. I used to say, when I get a break, I'm going to fill it with X, Y, Z. And I have learned something about time and my schedule. And that is if I don't structure that time in there, it never, ever, ever is going to happen because time doesn't just open up for you, especially not if you're a busy juggling person like I am. It's like, okay, if that's important to me, then I need to schedule it into my calendar. Yeah. And that's a self-love act. I would say like, to me, that's an act of self-love. And especially if you're a mom, and I know it can feel really hard. So if you're listening to this. Oh, because you're governed by everybody else's schedule. My husband's doing X, Y, Z, and the dog needs this, and the kid needs that. And then, the yeah. Yeah. Like one of my clients said to me last week, she's like, I just want to be in a place where I know that no, like no one needs me. She's like, I come home from work and oh, I, there, there is no moment when no one needs yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. She's like, and I am making dinner and then the kids are like, they're in my bed. Like, I just feel like someone is always needing something from me. And what I really want is to feel in balance and in harmony. And that is part of how I help women. Yeah. Oh, and that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It took, it's taken me decades to get to this point. You know, I sit down in January and I block off chunks of time in my calendar now before I open it to clients or anything. And it's like, okay, Monday is working on my business stuff. There are no clients on Monday. Okay. I want to be off early on Fridays. So there are no appointments that happen afternoon on Friday. Yep. Okay. And that's all blocked off. And my husband and I made a pact when we became entrepreneurs, and that is that we are going to take time off because it's really easy to go, well, there's bookkeeping that still needs to be done, and we should put together this promotion, and there's website stuff that needs to be done, and then all of the client stuff gets packed in there. And pretty soon you're working 724, and you go, well, when I get to, then I'll take time off. No, self-employment is a it's a marathon. This is not a sprint. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I go in there and it's like, okay, our anniversary is the first week in August. And so that's going to be a long weekend. As we're, it should be. We're going to take that off and bond and celebrate that, that commitment that we have there, you know. How many years? We are now, let's see, 96. It's going to be 24. Bravo. Yeah. So that, that's coming up here in the beginning of August. Yay. I love it. You know, so I, 
But it was really hard to do that. And I have to be really strict with myself, which is why Acuity is my best friend. Yes. If you make an appointment with me, I send you to Acuity because Acuity is not going to offer you my weekend. Yes. I would offer you my weekend. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's super, super important. And like you said about balance and finding that like balance, like I've actually like that's how women talk to me, but how I've started to talk and how I'm inviting myself and others to talk is harmony because mm-hmm. balance is kind of a fictitious thing that none of us can really achieve. Like, just yeah, no, there, there really uh, isn't balance. There's yeah. like this ebb and flow. Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah. So, yeah. It's finding that harmony with yourself in first, right? Your, yourself, your internal structure, you and your own being, and then how that weaves, how, how all these other things in your life weave in and out and you find that that watery flow, right? That harmony. Yeah. Sometimes things are up here, sometimes they're down there, but there is the that weaving of harmony that is available to all of us. It really is. Yeah. Well, and it took a long time for me to accept that I'm not one of these pure people. My husband is one of these people who can just get up every day and go in and and like chip away at a project and he'll do 20 minutes here and 20 minutes there. I don't work that way. I'm one of these people. I will work like a maniac on a project for four days and then I have to walk away from it mm-hmm. and not see it for a while before I can come back and finish it up. And I, a lot of, I got used to get down on myself about being, the way that I work, because when you're in school, that's not how they encourage you to work either. But I've been so much more productive since I've accepted that my rhythm of working is different than what's quote unquote normal or, or considered good discipline. Yep. A hundred percent. Isn't that interesting? Okay. So I want to talk to you about spotting the signs of being in a state of overwhelm, because I think a lot of times, I know for myself, I don't always recognize it until I'm like in this moment of like breakdown and there's this deadline staring me in the face Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the dog is sick and the husband's, you know, dumping stuff on me, but we're fixing to go to a commercial break. So just hold that thought for me. And if you're out there in listener land and you want to have more conversations with us around this topic of overwhelm and you're an Instagrammer, you can find me at Zofia Renea, Z-O-F-I-A-R-E-N-N-E-A. And you can find Lena at Lena Dolter, L-E-N-A-D-O-L-T-E-R on Instagram. Stay with us and we will come back right after the break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Tune in every week to the Voice America Influencers Channel for The Movement with Shannon D. Hughes. It's all about what's happened in the past that determines the future. Everyone has their up moments and their down moments. The pendulum is always swinging between the victories and the pitfalls in our lives. But each of these serves as success points that we learn from and move forward. Listen for The Movement every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. 
Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. listening to Sovereign Self with Sophia Renea Morales. We'd love to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or if you'd prefer, send an email to asksophia at transformationspace.co. Now, back to Sovereign Self. Welcome back. Thank you for staying with us through the break. This is Sophia Renea. I'm here talking to Lena Dalter about overwhelm. And before we went to the break, I promised that we would talk about how to know when you're heading into overwhelm. And I think one of the places to start with that, Lena, is how does overwhelm disguise itself? How does it sneak up on us and, and put us against the wall? You know, one key disguise that overwhelm wears that I noticed in my own self was self-doubt. So if you think about it, like right before, at least for me, right before I get into overwhelm, what causes my overwhelm is when I doubt myself. So a lack of self-trust, I started questioning. I would reach out and ask people what they thought. What do you think about this? Well, what if I did that? And what if I did that? So then I was getting all these other opinions involved in my choice. And that created the spiral of overwhelm. Mm. But it started by not trusting myself first. Isn't that interesting? Where is the line between trusting yourself and gathering, what should I say, um, Informed information. Yeah, great question. (laughs) For me, it showed up as, okay, I intuitively knew the answer, right? Like I had a feeling, I'm pretty sure every woman listening and maybe even men if you're listening can relate to having a feeling that you you, you just kind of have an inkling, right? Yeah, this this is it right here. Yeah. Yeah, this is what I think, but let me just see right? So when you notice the hunch, what most women do, and I'm going to say women because that's most of my experience, and I've not talked to a lot of men about this, so I'm not going to lump them in, but men, feel free to chime in, is, you know, going back to the patriarch, right? We've, it's been ingrained in our beings, whether it has been part of your direct upbringing or not, you are environmentally impacted by the patriarch. And that is in your cells. And so you are literally taught to not trust yourself from the youngest age possible. And again, this is not direct. You may have been taught direct, right? You may have had influences in your family, but overall we all experience, and this gives me chills to say it. And my boy, my, my throat just had this lump a little bit because I'm going against the patriarch ladies, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, but it is like, it is a, it is a, 
energy. It is a subliminal message. It is also a direct message, but received differently that you don't have the answer. Uh-huh. That you have to find out someone else. Someone else knows better than you the answer. And that might make me cry. Um, but that is real. T- tell me why that, that makes you emotional. What's because it's so real. That? And yeah. it's so true. And it's something that I lived with for a really long time. No one directly ever told me that I had to find the answer outside myself. In fact, like I told you growing up, my parents highly encouraged me to go for it. Right. They trusted me completely. But somewhere along the line of society, I learned and I saw and all the other things that I experienced in my own life created self-doubt. And that was like the kiss of death to my self-confidence and to trusting myself, even though, even though from the youngest age I can remember, I was directly connected to my internal source and, and intuition. It, it, and it shows up and it showed up and I hear it and I feel it and I see it, but then there's the doubt. Mm -hmm. So that's the trip. That's the fine line, the fine line between feeling it and having a hunch, but then the mind and society comes in as like, "Mm, but maybe not. Let me just check. Let me double check myself here. So that's where the line is. The line is is I have this intuition that this is what I'm supposed to go do and getting informed input is about more how to get to that place that you intuitively know you want to go as opposed to asking the world whether it's a good idea to go there. Yes, it's not a yes or no question. It's a let me get more information to move forward toward what it is that I'm being guided to do. Love it. Love it. Are there any other disguises that overwhelm wears? You know, that's the biggest, there are, Uh, another one could be people pleasing, right? So when you Mm -hmm. find that you're people pleasing, then I say it's a disguise because I I have to own that. Okay. (laughs) I'm I'm sure I do too on some level, but let me see if this rings a bell for you. Cause I had a a conversation with a woman, um, a couple weeks ago about this and, and it showed people pleasing for her starts as an act of service. Because she really does want to support people and, and help them if she can. Yeah. Where it becomes overwhelmed for her is that she overextends herself in her obligations. So yes. then she's running behind. So she takes on these all these things and her self-care sacrifice so that like the workout she would have done in the morning is no longer happening because she booked herself full. Um, and then she doesn't have time to do it later because she's running late because she booked back to back to back. Mm-hmm. And so while it's done from this place of poten- of good intentions, there's something else going on for her that causes her to put herself last, mm-hmm. right? To show up for others in an effort to serve, but really then causing herself overwhelm and then also guilt because she hates being late so it just perpetuates and that like we talked about at the top of the hour really just builds on the the feeling of overwhelm yeah I find for myself uh the perfectionist tends to kind of sneak in there as well and instead of giving someone twenty dollars to get an uber to wherever they need to go I feel like I have to like put them in my car and deliver them and and help them through the bureaucracy of whatever they're you know and it's I could have just given them a $20 they're they're adults they're responsible people and they that would have been sufficient 
Yes. Yeah. No. And I love that you shared that because perfectionism and control over control, I like to say, because there's a sense of control everyone has. Like we want to feel like we have a sense of control. We don't really, but there are some things we can feel like we do have control over. But the women that I help and the women that come to me, because I used to be one of these women and sometimes I still fall into this habit is over control. Yes. Over control is a disguise that overwhelm wears and over control looks like it looks like really over planning it's just taking it to the nth degree really overthinking everything right so it's totally you're, you're talking right to me because I have plan a and b and c and I know what will happen if it goes off the rails this way yeah oh yeah yeah so it's yeah. like being up here in your head instead of down in your bod So Mm -hmm. that's a big block to intuition, by the way. It's like, so over control is, is literally blocking you from feeling your intuition and being in your body. Yeah. And really enjoying the moment that you're in at that time. I know like one of the greatest wedding presents that I ever received. I had a friend when I married my second husband, my current husband. Um, She's like, I want you to enjoy your wedding. And I know you won't if you have to deal with, you know, the caterer and the baker and the florist and all of this stuff. So I will be your event coordinator. And so give me the phone numbers for everybody, what they're supposed to deliver. I dumped all of that on her. And you know what? I got to enjoy my second wedding. As well, you should. I feel like she she did a beautiful job, and she packed up a a picnic basket for us from the buffet because I didn't get to eat anything at the actual wedding. So we had the picnic basket when we went off to our bed and breakfast, and we had our our wedding dinner together later. (laughs) I love it. That's amazing. I feel like it's an over controller's worst nightmare and also greatest dream to have someone do that for you. Because what I get the sense of is that you, you, you experience not only joy, but freedom from, you know, and allowing you to have that presence in the time that you really wanted to have. Yeah, exactly. I didn't have to think about whether the caterer got his final payment or any of that. She had it handled. So it. It, was, it was such a blessing. Yay. So we are kind of getting down towards the end of things. And I know you've got stuff you're excited about. I know you have a gift you want to share with the listeners. So we have six minutes. How about three and three on that? Sounds good. What do we start with? Three things I'm excited about? Yeah. What are you excited about okay. in your work right now? Well, I'm really excited about helping women in transition. So when I say that, like, I'm really excited about women come to me who are the driven, over, the driven ambitious woman. They know they, they're like me five years ago. They know they want something amazing in their lives. They may not know exactly what it is. Just like you said earlier, it's like, I'm in a bad relationship. Maybe it's not bad, but it's, you know, it's not for, you know, it's not. You know, it's not good either. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're kind of stuck in the grind. So I'm really excited about giving women their power voice. And that's another reason why I teared up earlier. Cause it's, I'm so passionate about, it. I see so many women, myself included, that have been suppressed for too long, either by others or by our own selves. And I'm just really excited about that. So, And it makes such a difference when you can step into a relationship and really talk about what you need. Yes. Because once you start that conversation, shit's going to change. It gives now, you the relationship you, you want. You don't know which way it's going to go. The relationship is either going to get better or it's going to go bust. But yes. either way, you're going to get what you need. Yes. 
Yes, I love that. I love that. So I have a course. I have a couple things coming up. Um, the free gift. I'll tell you about that as part of the end here. So in November, I'm uh, actually in October. I'm hosting a from uh, calm to from chaos to calm online retreat. So yeah, when, that's the direction we want to go. Not calm to chaos. <laughs> exactly. It's funny that I've been inverting it a little bit. I'm like, what's happening? I must feel a little chaotic. Yeah. So from call, from chaos to calm, and you're going to learn all about that um, when you decide that you want to have my free gift. So my free gift, Zofia will tell you where to find that and what it is. But a short synopsis is, you know, get you started on that feeling of calmness with four essential oil blends that I created myself. So these are the recipes to the oil blends. If you, most everyone I know has some sort of access to oils. If you don't, don't sweat it. Get, you know, grab the gift. Um, there's something else more coming for you. So just get Exactly. A- well, and go out on Facebook. There are 8 million yeah. Tara and whatever, yeah. you know, I, yeah. I, I don't you- remember the other name, but there, yes. there are lots of multi-level just marketing oil 100%. people. <laughs> yes. So I'm excited to offer that to you because it gets you in my community to help you see what's coming because I've got the uh, online retreat happening and then I'm launching a course for the confidence clear for uh, uh, the clear and confident woman in January. So those are what I'm excited about. Well, and I love the fact that it's a recipe for a blend because I know for myself, in my overwhelm, it's like, okay, I've got all these oils now. What do I do with them? Yes, of course. <laughs> so you have recipes now. Sign up and get the recipes. Let me tell you as just yes, a So go to sovereignself.media for that. Okay. And if, when you get those recipes, that third one, the overwhelm one, and I named it overwhelm, the overwhelm cure, little tip, uh, men tend to like it. I was out in oh. Costa and a man who was like, You should call it love potion number nine. I should. And it, but it's really beautiful. And he picked up on the scent in it. And so, hey, listen, wear it on on a date. Um, you know, you can be less overwhelmed on your date. You can be, you know, wear it, just wear it all the time. These are great. Relaxed and confident, ergo sexy. Exactly, 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 exactly. These are really easy blends. You can use them in a roll. You can use them in a diffuser. So don't feel like you need to have anything special. Um, I love them. I love offering them. And then coming your way soon will be a five minute meditation that will also take you from chaos to calm so oh i love that and you can always use the factory installed applicators also known as fingers <laughs> there you go exactly uh, please i i use them often yeah <laughs> they're very flexible they work for a great many things many things yes <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today, Lena. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And I love, I love, 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 love uh, the conversation today because it opened up for me a lot of spots where I hadn't given myself that validation that I've actually moved past and grown through some of these challenges. Thank you. You're certainly welcome. And thank you for the opportunity to be here to talk with you and to share. And to the listeners out there, thank you so much for listening in today. We enjoy having you with us. You are the reason that this show exists. And I, I want to give you my love and appreciation. And you can always connect with me on transformationspace.co or on the Transformation Space page on facebook.com. And until next week, go out and live soul first. Thank you for being a part of our program this week. Sovereign Self can be heard live every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Please join host Sophia Renea Morales again next week, right here 